0: Well, good morning, Incarnation. Uh, It's really wonderful to be back with you after three Sundays away. Um, I just took the longest vacation that I've had in about five years, Um, and it was the most urgently needed. Um, And uh, one great thing about this church in this season, we're growing so fast that I take three weeks off, and there's like a quarter of you that I don't know. Um, So uh, I'm John, if, if I haven't met you yet. Um, and I look forward to getting to know you if you're new. I, I actually feel kind of pretty new myself this morning, having come back. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the vacation that I took uh, was really, really needed because real life in 2021, I expect you're finding too, is just one crisis after another. And for me, some time away on vacation was a time to unplug, to silence the cell phone, turn off all the screens, put down the newspaper, um, and just sit with God in his beautiful world, resting in his care and being with my family. And i got to tell you, it was lovely. Uh, we were up in New England at its finest time of year. And the sights were grand buildings and flower gardens and rocky beaches. The sounds were waves on the rocks and seagulls wheeling overhead The smells were salty air and white lilies and thyme and lavender in the herb gardens. The feelings on the skin were soft grass underfoot and cool breeze in your hair. And the tastes were fresh-caught lobster and homemade ice cream. And all of it offered some comfort to my soul. But friends, i got to say, it wasn't enough. It was not enough. It just wasn't enough this year. Not because it wasn't long enough, it was plenty long enough, and, and more time wouldn't have helped. No amount of time away from 2021 is gonna deal with the reality of 2021. I knew as I took time off from the madness that at some point I was gonna have to come back And I'd be coming back to the Delta variant and 400-some Florida schoolchildren in hospital and half of my own family sick with COVID-19 and daily, daily prayers that somebody I loved would pull through to a devastated Haiti and a resurgent Taliban and whole nations collapsing to an angry population and an angry climate. And I found that my soul refused the normal comforts of vacation as insufficient, inadequate, not fitting to the scale of all these problems. And so I confess to you, friends that I came back to work on Monday a little bit depressed. Uh, Maybe uh, not for not getting what my heart really wanted but for getting it and for finding it not enough. So on that first day back at work, the Lord Jesus met with me. And he gave me something that was sufficient, something that was adequate, because I looked at my calendar, and the first thing that I noticed on the calendar was that this week I had to prepare for the baptism of James Crowder, which we're all going to get to witness and to celebrate here today in just a few moments. And uh, as I was praying about James' baptism, the Lord whispered to me, behold the body. Behold the body. And as I thought long and hard about these words, I realized that they meant two things. First, to watch what happens to James's body as he is baptized. And second, to watch what happens to the body of Christ as James is baptized. Behold the body. So we're going to focus on Job chapter 19 today, and it's a good time to turn there in your Bibles. It's page four hundred. And 29 of the Church Bibles, Job chapter 19. And we're going to think first about our own bodies, our flesh, and realize that our baptism speaks a gospel message to our bodies. What it does is it tells our bodies that they are worthy to be washed, worthy to be mended, and worthy to be raised We heard Paul remind us this morning from 1 Corinthians 15 that when it comes to the resurrection of the dead, we can think of the body a bit like a seed, a seed that dies and is buried in the ground. And Paul says, what is sown is perishable, but what is raised is imperishable it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. So the body then isn't destroyed and done away with, instead it is raised. And also here in Job, deep in the Old Testament, we have that same message, the same faith, right there at the end of chapter 19. But before we land on the message, I want to first notice the rest of the chapter. Um, And so glance your eyes over the first part of Job chapter 19. And just see in this chapter that there is not a problem in the world in 2021 that wasn't known to Job. Verses 1 through 6 talk about the torment of lies. Job says to his friends, how long will you torment me and break me in pieces with words? Verses 7 through 12 talk about armies that are going to war. Here's the Taliban right here in verse 7. Behold, I cry out violence and I am not answered. Then verses 13 through 16 talk about betrayal and social disintegration. I want to read this whole section, and I want you to think about the pain that we've experienced this year and last year within the church family itself. Job says, he has put my brothers far from me, and those who knew me are wholly estranged from me. My relatives have failed me. My close friends have forgotten me. The guests in my house and my maidservants count me as a stranger. I have become a foreigner in their eyes. I call to my servant, but he gives me no answer. I must plead with him with my mouth for mercy. That is describing the total breakdown of the social body. And then in verses 17 through 22, we find the breakdown of the physical body too, Job says, my bones stick to my skin and to my flesh, and I have escaped by the skin of my teeth. How many times have our friends and relatives escaped by the skin of their teeth this year during this pandemic? But then, as Sarah said to the children, out of the depth of pain and misery of his soul, Job declares in verse 25, but I know. That my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth, and after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God, whom I shall see for myself, my eyes shall behold, and not another." So Job then is for us a model of faith in the midst of total devastation. And he brings us this morning the gospel message to our own hurting bodies. Friends, the gospel makes promises to our bodies. Do you realize that? It's not just to our souls. It doesn't just promise to save our souls out of our bodies. It makes promises to our bodies too, that they will be raised on the last day, just as Jesus' body was raised up on the third day. We, we friends, will stand in our flesh, we will see God, our eyes to behold him and not another. And this is so important because today, do we not need a message, a promise to comfort our bodies? Because it's our bodies that are so much under attack right now. Just this last week, I saw an x-ray of a pair of lungs It belonged to a woman who's in hospital with COVID-19, and she's on a ventilator struggling for her life. And the x-ray of her lungs showed dark spots where her lungs were full of fluid and incapable of breathing, and then white spots where the air was still getting in. And as you looked at the x-ray, the right lung was completely dark, full of fluid, totally useless. And the left lung had one white spot low down about the size of a golf ball. And the commentary on the x ray said that this woman almost certainly wouldn't make it. COVID was going to win. She was drowning. The poor body. Lord, have mercy. This week we watched dumbfounded on the news as hundreds of Afghan citizens fled Kabul, leaving behind everything they owned or had ever known and clambered over one another to board a US military cargo plane to escape the new Taliban regime. And it was because they knew about the guns and the bombs and the beatings, all the fearful, depraved things that the Taliban does to people's bodies. And so it is with Haiti and the earthquake, people crushed in their own homes, the poor body. The body is the first victim of evil. It bears the brunt of the fall. It needs to be comforted. But instead, do we not ourselves join with the world in ravaging our own bodies, filling them with junk food and garbage to comfort our hearts at their expense, tormenting them with stress and anxiety, drugging them to dull the pain, stuffing them with alcohol, binging Netflix while we sit idly on the couch, and then hating our own bodies for the natural consequences of those choices. And then do we not theologize that since our bodies are so hateful, God must hate them too, loving only our souls, dying only to save ourselves, and looking forward as we do to the day when these rubbish old bodies can be discarded as so much trash and we can be free spirits. The poor body, so tormented, so hated, so maligned, and kidnapped and stolen and feasted on for another's pleasure. But body, there is gospel hope for you too. You are not trash. You are not the plastic food container that gets thrown away after the meal. You too are fit to be saved, fit to be washed, fit to be mended. Jesus died for you too. He broke his body. To save yours. And the symbol of our baptism is that we wash the body. Jesus commanded that we baptize new members of his family by washing their bodies in water. So not by, I don't know, inhaling smoke or chanting or tattooing on symbols. It's not a sacrament for the inside. It's a message to the outside. The water is a promise to the body. Paul said that the symbolism of baptism is dying and rising. In the waters of baptism, we are united with Jesus in a death like his as a promise that we will also be united with him in a resurrection like his. So, as James goes under the water today... The sacrament that we watch together will be cash in hand to his soul, but also a check written for his body. So for his soul, cash in hand. James, you have forgiveness now by the blood of Jesus, the imputed righteousness of Jesus to stand before the Father, fully justified this day, as we spent uh, last year learning from Paul in Romans. But also a check in hand for your body to cash later, a promise of resurrection on the last day. So as we watch James receive his check today, reach into your own pockets for your check, those of you who have already been baptised. There it is. Behold the body and comfort your body with this promise of the gospel. But now, second, uh, behold also the body of Christ. Maybe more painful to you this year is not your physical suffering or illness, but the social breakdown the fighting and anger and hatred and partings of ways. And that pain is also healed in these waters of baptism. What we're gonna see is that today is not only James's uh, baptism day, it's also his first day of sharing with us in the Lord's Supper when we come to the Eucharist later. Because his baptism unites him with us in the body of Christ. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 17, though we are many, we are one body, for we all share in one bread. So God says, watch what happens to James's own body as he is baptized, but also watch what happens to the body of Christ as James is baptized. And what happens is, it grows. It adds a new member. James becomes one with us, and he in turn reminds us of our unity with one another. We are one body. We do not become one body. We don't strive to make ourselves one body. We are one body who share the one bread. Jesus has done it. And it is a body that suffers pain now, but it is also a body that suffers nobly and with purpose on its way to glory. So, the Bible calls us, the church, the body of Christ. And that makes us think, doesn't it, of the physical body that Jesus walked around in and still has to this day. When we think about that body, we remember that that body was born in Bethlehem, naked and helpless. It grew up in Nazareth under the wearisome yoke of hard manual labor. It fasted in the Judean desert, it went without sleep, it grew tired, it knew what it feels like to be sick and hungry. In Jerusalem, it was stripped and spat upon, it was beaten and flogged, it carried a heavy cross up a hill, and it died as it began, naked and helpless. Jesus' body was a suffering body. But today, how we love his body How we treasure it above all material things and worship heaven as we remember it and partake of it every Sunday. Was ever a body more noble, more beautiful, more dignified or more sacred? And Jesus now turns around and calls us his body, the church, the body of Christ. Similarly pained, similarly mistreated, but similarly glorious. And we must love The body of Christ, the church, as Jesus loves her, just as we must love our own physical bodies as Jesus loves them. So you are not alone. You belong to me and I to you. And we belong to him and he to us. Whatever calamities come and whatever dark days lie ahead, we can say, My beloved is mine, and I am my beloved's. And I certainly find for myself that all the anxieties of this present moment are transformed by this reality. I find it sufficient in the way that vacations and all the other worldly comforts are not sufficient. It is sufficient to keep our faith and hope alive in this present moment. So friends, today I invite you to behold the body. You don't just get to hear about it, you get to see it. A healing miracle is going to be done right here in our midst, a new promise given before our very eyes. As James comes to the water in faith, let it strengthen your faith and let it be for you what you need to keep walking in faith in this dark hour. Amen.